Hey, this is Paul Connor, pastor of City Baptist Church here in Vancouver. And I want to welcome you to our sermon podcast and just say thank you so much for joining us today. You know, it's our mission to help you find and follow Jesus. And we pray that the message encourages and inspires you today. Today's message is from our brand new series, Renew. And as we begin this new year together, we're going to be focusing in on Romans chapter 12 and discover the power that is found in renewing our hearts and minds through Jesus and his unchanging word. Let's get into today's message. Rather than us just focusing on the trials and rather than us just looking back at the discouragement of 2020, I want to encourage you as we start today to be Philippians 4.8 Christians. You say, what does that mean to be a Philippians 4.8 Christian? Well, a Philippians 4.8 Christian is somebody uh, who focuses on what is true. The Bible says to think on these things, things that are true, things that are honest, things that are just, uh, things that are pure and lovely and good. And then as the verse concludes, it says this, if there be any virtue and if there be any prayer think on these things. As Christians who are going to be Philippians 8 Christians as we start this year, we need to look back on the year and focus on the things that we can give God praise for. Because to be honest with you, if we were to look back and to really focus on it, we would recognize that there certainly was a lot that we can give God praise for. I took some time this week and just uh, from our own church's context, wrote down a few things that I wanted to praise God for as we started this first service of 2021. And one of the things that we can definitely thank God for is that it was an opportunity for us this past year, was an opportunity for all of us to slow down just a little bit. Slow down just a little bit. You say, well, I didn't want to slow down. Guess what? I didn't want to slow down, but God showed me that maybe I needed to slow down a little bit. So that's something that we can praise him for, uh, some things that were able to be renewed in my life because I had to slow down just a little bit. Uh, One of the things as well that I'm thankful for is that we were able to focus as a church on one another. We were able to focus on building our family relationships and our relationships with each other within the church. One thing that is a blessing is that our generosity was tested. Man, uh, right away with all of the fears and concerns that were going on as a church, each of us were tested whether or not we would continue to give and be generous to the work of God. And I'm just thankful that God provided all of the needs that we had as a church family this past year. And that was something we can praise him for. Of course, we can praise him for our expanded online reach, and I'm very thankful for that, that we've been able to get the word out about our church and spread it to many. It's great to have people watching every single week that I've never met in person. Maybe some of you have never met in person before. What a blessing that is, and as a result, when we did reopen again in June, we saw new people coming to church because of the online ministry, and we saw some measurable growth this year. What a blessing that is as a church family, and I know it's frustrating a little bit uh, because I've said to Jeanette many times, man, I feel like some of the church doesn't know the the rest of the church because of what happened during this year. And that's true, but it's also something we can praise God for that we still saw growth as a church family, despite all of the challenges that were out there. Of course, we saw people accept Christ this year. What a blessing that is. We saw people baptized this year. And I'm, and I'm so thankful for that as well. Our faith was renewed through answered prayers. And that's one thing that I'm just so thankful for is how God answered prayer all throughout the year and how my faith was renewed in that. Now, I want to stop for a moment. I'm going to keep going here. I've got a couple more praises I want to share with you. But if you're watching online, maybe you would take a second right now and write a praise in the chat. Could you do that for me? Maybe something that God has showed you. Uh, let's get some interaction there and maybe put something in or maybe you just want to say ditto, pastor. <laughs> you know exactly what you said. Uh, but maybe there's something God showed you. Maybe take a moment, 
put that in the chat and uh, be an encouragement to those that are watching together. But a few other things that I uh, saw that I was encouraged with. I, I feel that our church grew together even though we were separated. I don't know how else to really describe it, but I feel that relationships were strengthened and we really came together as a church even though we were separated in many different ways. And then one thing I certainly praise God for is that we studied the Bible together. Man, we did. We studied the Bible in a lot of different ways through our midweek studies, uh, quieting a noisy soul, uh, through some other studies on faith. But then, of course, as a church on our Sunday mornings, we preached and walked verse by verse through the entire book of Acts. Now, how amazing is that, that the entire book of Acts, which is a big chunk of the New Testament, we got to go through and learn how to be the church on the move. And we got to experience the grace of God and the movement of his gospel, even though they were in a politically tumultuous time as well in the book of Acts. And yet we saw God work through them, and we realized that God could continue to work, even though we're in a tumultuous time here in Vancouver in 2020. Uh, one of the things I'm thankful for is that our midweek involvement has grown. We have more people involved in our midweek connect groups, online connect groups, uh, than we did uh, before when we had in-person services. And so I'm really thankful for that and that people are uh, being a part of it there. And as well, we confirmed, and this is a big one for me, I'm thankful that we confirmed the importance of worshiping God together. You know, sometimes you don't know what you have until it's gone, and that is something that we notice, certainly as a church, that uh, we need to be together. And I cannot wait till we can begin to worship together again, but we understand the importance of being together as a church family. And then the last couple ones, one of them that's big for me is that we realize as a church that the government is not the answer, but Jesus is the answer to everything that we need. And I'm thankful for him showing that to us. And my big thank you for 2020, praise to God, is that we made it through, right? We made it through the year. Sometimes it felt like, what, are we going to get through this? Um, but we got through 2020 together. And I can just praise God and we can thank him uh, for what it is that he has done. And I hope that you choose to remember 2020 in those ways. I hope you choose to remember uh, the faithfulness of God and, and how we as a church saw him work even when we didn't see it. And even when we were afraid to look for God to work, he was still working and doing something in us. And God proved himself faithful to us as a church in 2020. But what about 2021, right? You say, that's great. And that's a great uh, thought process to have when we look at the year past. But what about 2021? How do we move forward? How do we uh, continue on uh, from this year that was so disjointed and so uh, difficult? How do we even make plans when there's still so many unknowns? You know, as a church, normally next Sunday would be our vision Sunday and we'd be prepping for that and we'd be talking about all the new swag for the year and all of the things that uh, God was going to do and our calendars and all of this. And we're, we've put that on hold for now until we're able to meet in person. But how do we even make plans? How do we move forward as a person and as a church into 2021? Well, God's given me a word this year uh, that's just been a real encouragement to me. It's something that I've been thinking about for a few weeks now. And it's a word that I believe God has put in my heart uh, for this particular series that we're in. And you probably already know what it is, but it's the word renew. It's the word renew, uh, renewed, renewal. You take your pick, whatever it is. Uh, God has given that word to me. Now, what's so interesting about the word renew is what its definition is. And so by definition, the word renew means to resume an action after an interruption. Now, just sit on that for a minute. Resume an action after an interruption. It means to continue on after you've had to maybe step aside or step back for a time. When I looked that up and kind of dug into that definition a little bit and was just thinking to myself, God, why are you having me uh, have this word in my mind over and over again? It really made sense. 
That when we come to this year, 2021, that we focus on renewal, on renew, which is to get back to where we were, to resume what we had started, even after an interruption. Now, I think you know 2020 was a year of interruptions, wasn't it? It's a year of interruptions to our pace of life, interruptions to the way that we normally approach life. It was a year of stepping back or stepping to the side of resting. And and that can be a good thing. Like we talked about, it's a good thing to slow down. Uh, Sometimes it's good to uh, take the moments to appreciate the blessings uh, that God has given to us. And many of us have experienced that this year. But the one thing I do know as well is that a year of interruptions and a, a year of turmoil has not been good for everybody. I do recognize that as well. It hasn't been the greatest for me. I, I recognize that within our church, for many people through this year of interruptions, for some of you, your faith has really suffered during this time. Some of you have gone through seasons of discouragement and temptation like never before in your life in this year of 2020. For some of you, your love and your faithfulness to the, your local church has faltered. For some, you've been easily distracted from the Christian life that you've been called to, and for many, you've allowed your fear of the future negatively affect your faithfulness and commitment to God right now in the present. And that's a a negative thing, isn't it? That's a difficult way to look at a, a past year. And so the reason I share that with you is because this year of 2021 is a time for you to renew, to be renewed, to see some renewal in your life of getting back to where uh, you know God wants you to be, the focus, the areas of focus that God has called you to prioritize that maybe you've left aside, especially when it comes to your relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, if you're like me, there's been moments of reflection that I, I take some time, of course, and in moments of thought that God does reveal to me areas of my life that I need to return to, aspects of my life that need renewal, whether it's my relationship with Christ, whether it's family relationships, maybe it's just my heart that needs to be renewed and tender to the needs of our community, having a heart for people who do not know Christ. Whatever it is for you, I guarantee you we're all going through this, but there's moments and certainly aspects of my life that need renewal. And so that's what our focus is going to be for these next few weeks as a church, as we're in our preaching series that we're calling Renew. And what we're going to do is we're going to study together the chapter of Romans 12. Romans chapter 12 is where we're going to be, and we're going to study this chapter in light of our need for renewal. Now, Romans 12 is really a special chapter within the book because here it is, is that Paul masterfully, I don't know any other way to put it, Paul masterfully transitions from the first 11 chapters of the book where he is really focused on uh, the theological foundations of our faith. He's really focused on uh, how to know Christ. And in chapter 12, he transitions it and he says that in light of what we know about Christ, now we can move forward. And he gives us some practical application for the rest of the book of Romans. And for me, as we are thinking about renewal and moving forward, to me, it is a perfect passage for us to study together at the beginning of the new year, because this is where Paul really sets up the entire chapter. And he does it so interestingly enough in those first two verses that we're going to cover over the next couple of weeks. In those first two verses of Romans chapter 12, what Paul does is that he sets uh, uh, to us an important aspect about renewal that we all need to get into our hearts. And so today, if you don't get anything else, I want you to get this one thing that I'm going to share with you this morning. And here's what it comes down to. When it comes to renewal, before there is renewal, there must be removal. Before there is a renewal in your life, there must be some removal. Now, I want you to look at that 
quote right there, and I hope you wrote it down. I hope you wrote it down, but here's what I want you to look at that quote in. I want you to look at that quote in the light of HGTV. Can you do that with me? Or maybe in light of the DIY network, do-it-yourself network. And here's why. Now, most of you, I think, watch uh, shows on there. I I would assume you do. I mean, I do, so I would assume you do. Um, But I like HGTV. And uh, of course, you know, there's the OG show, A Fixer Upper, that really got so many people hooked on renovation shows. And then there's uh, one that we like called Hometown. Um, But there's another show that Jeanette and I really like to watch. It's on the DIY network, and it's called Restored. And it's this guy who goes and he focuses on restoration of early 20th century uh, homes in Southern California, these beautiful craftsman homes. And, and he puts so much work and a lot of money and a lot of effort into redoing. You can maybe check that out after the show, write it down, restore it. It's a great show. I think there's a few seasons of it. But we really like that show because he takes these things that are broken down or have been covered up, and he begins to work on them to bring them back to where they were, to renew them to what they once were. Now, when it comes to our lives, um, this really connects in because in any renovation show that you watch, what is the first thing they do? You know, if you watch Fixer Upper, it's demo day, right? Everybody loves demolition day and the day they get in there and rip out or clean out all of the things that need to be fixed. And it's because removal has to happen before renewal. And that's really the big focus for us as we head into this chapter is that before there is renewal, there must be some removal. There is prep that has to be done. There is uh, things that need to be taken out and cleaned out before the new or the renewal can take place. And so with that in mind, we're going to head into this new year together and into Romans chapter 12 uh, together with a desire for renewal. Now, this chapter can give us some great direction as we move forward, but it does begin by showing us some things that need to be removed from our lives if we're going to get to that place of renewal. And so we're going to begin this passage together. And I want you to have a heart for renewal as we study. You know, I can't do that for you. That's something you have to do for yourself. And in this moment, I hope that you would take a, 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 just a second even right now as we get into the message and just in your own heart of heart, say to the Lord, say, Lord, help me to have a heart of renewal. Lord, I want to be open to your word today. Maybe take a second right now and just say, God, I want to hear from you in this time. Let's take our Bibles now and let's go to Romans chapter number 12, where we're going to begin our series in talking about renewal. The first thing, though, that needs to be removed. Remember, we're talking about removal before renewal. And so thought number one this morning is that if we're going to be renewed, there first of all needs to be a removal of wrong motives. If we're going to move forward and be renewed in Christ and renewed for the year, there must be a removal of wrong motives. I want you to look at verse number one, the first part of verse one in Romans chapter 12. And he says this, he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of of God. Now we're going to stop right there for right now. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. Now, again, this is a transitional passage and this is a transitional verse. Uh, Remember, he goes from how one can know Christ to now talking about our motives behind living for Christ in the moment. Now you saw the word therefore. Now we're learning in our Bible study on Wednesday nights that when you see the word therefore, you need to look to see what it is therefore. And I think you guys understand that. And that's a good thing. And so that's how we know it's transitional because he's saying in light of what I've already showed you in Romans 1 through 11, he says, now we're going to move forward. But he also highlights and emphasizes it in a couple of ways. First of all, I want you to notice the language that he uses right at the very beginning. He uses the word beseech, which is a Greek word parakaleo, which means to call, to urge, or to encourage. Now, this term is, uh, is, is an idea of a counselor. It's the idea of a mentor urging somebody 
to make a positive change in their life. It is not done in a demanding authoritative tone, just so you know. He's like, hey, you need to do this. No, no. What he's doing here is he is, he is speaking to us out of genuine concern and that he has the Christians there, he has their best interests in mind and by default, our best interests in mind as well. Now, here's what's so interesting about that word beseech. He's coming to them. He's saying, listen, I have your best interest at heart. You need to listen to what I have to say because I love you and I care for you. But that word is connected to another Greek word, parakletos, which you understand is very, very close to it, but it is a descriptive word that's given to the Holy Spirit. Now, this is what's so cool. We know the Holy Spirit to be the one who comes alongside of us, the one who helps us to live uh, for the Lord. It's the one that uh, the Holy Spirit comes and encourages us in our walk with Christ. We know the Holy Spirit is our comforter, and that's the same uh, connected root word together. So it's the idea of the Holy Spirit's loving care and loving work in your life. And Paul says, I beseech you, I I beg you, please, I want to encourage you to pay attention. Just like a parent encourages a child uh, who's learning how to walk, you know, because we know that it's going to be better for them. Just like a personal trainer encourages an overweight person to hurry up and and, uh, it's for your own good. I want you to do uh, what's best. And and they encourage you to continue to work out and to run and all of that. I figure that's a great illustration for January the 3rd, right? We're all thinking about that. And because uh, my personal trainer's in the room with me right now, he's sitting over there and he's nodding his head. And uh, he's like, yes, pastor, Uh, we start tomorrow, I think, right? We start tomorrow. Tomorrow's the day. (laughs) So you're going to watch a transformation before your eyes by next week. But uh, he's going to encourage me and he's going to be tough on me because it is for my own good. And uh, maybe, is that too personal? I don't know. You guys can tell me in the chat. Tell me if that was too personal. But uh, he lovingly cares for me, and I know that he does. He wants me to be the best uh, that I can. And that's what Paul is saying to us. He says, listen, I beg you, I implore you, please. I want to help you, so please listen uh, to what I have to say. And what he does here in these first 10 words is he, not only does he show his love and care for us, but he emphasizes it in those words. And what he does is he destroys for us right now any concepts of guilt. This is what I love. He shows his love and then he destroys any concepts of guilt, of forced motivation, or any legalistic approach really to living the Christian life. And what he does is he gives us a true motivation to live for the Lord. And I want you to look again at the verse there where he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren. Now again, he's speaking to Christians. And then he says this, I beseech you, I implore you by the mercies of God. Here's what Paul is saying. The basis for anything that is about to follow, the basis for anything he's going to share with us about Christian living and how we can live for the Lord, the basis of it, the foundation of it is the mercies of God. It is found in God's great love for us. And so as Paul's about to reveal to us a roadmap for the Christian life, he does it with a reminder of the motivation that should come before anything that we do for the Lord Jesus Christ, and that is because of God's great love that is revealed in his mercy for us. Now think about this for a minute. The core, the core of Christian commitment and uh, the believer's motivation for following Christ has always been and should always be the mercy of God, the undeserved kindness and favor of God toward us that is shown in the gospel. In the book of Romans earlier on, in Romans chapter 3 and chapter 5 and chapter 6, and even others really, what it does is it shows to us our sinful state. It shows to us that we as sinful humans do not deserve the mercy of God at all. Remember, mankind rebelled and mankind resisted God's involvement, but then we come to Romans 5, 8 where it tells us, but God commendeth 
That means he demonstrated. So we know we do not deserve it, but it says, but then God commended. He demonstrated his love toward us, even that while we were yet sinners. So while we were still sinners, it says that Christ died for us. See, both the mercy and the grace of God are undeserved. And at the same time, they are the greatest evidence of God's love for us. Because what did he do? He overlooked our fallen sinful state and he made it possible for us and he rescued us so that we could have a relationship with God through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And so as believers, our motivation to live for him, our motivation to live a life that is pure, that is separated, that is a focus on being lights in this world is not motivated by force. It's not uh, motivated by intimidation or threats, but our living for Christ is motivated and should be motivated by our reflection of love for what Christ has already done for us. See, that's why Paul opened the second half of this letter in this way, because he wants us to understand without a shadow of a doubt that the following instructions that he's going to give us are only possible and can only bring life to your pursuit of Jesus Christ if the motivation is clear and the motivation is God's mercy upon us. But remember, if we're to truly understand uh, the correct spiritual motivation I believe what has to happen, though, is that before we can see the renewal of that, there needs to be the removal of our incorrect or of our wrong motivations as well. See, too many Christians today serve the Lord and live for God from the wrong position, from the wrong motives. There are a lot of believers out there today who live for the Lord and make decisions based out of fear, (laughs) Or they uh, believe that they can somehow manipulate God into doing what they want, that somehow they can achieve his favor by just doing good works in their own power. And so their motivation to give and their motivation to serve, their motivation to grow in the word of God is an incorrect motivation because it's not done out of love. I got to tell you, if you're living for the Lord out of fear uh, that he's going to smite you or that, uh, or that you know, uh, if, I do, if I do this, then he'll work this thing out for me. And if I just do this, then this will happen for me. If you live that way, that is unbiblical and it is unrealistic. Think about it. How is it possible that you as broken and as sinful as you are, how do you think it's possible that you could somehow impress God and convince a holy God to somehow give you a bunch of favor in who you are? I mean, it's, it's impossible. If you reproach the Christian life in that way, what you're doing is you're replacing God and you're putting yourself in that place and you're removing the need of God altogether from your life. Listen, church, the only right and the only true way to follow God is out of a heart of love that is based in the reality of our own condition before him and a true understanding of the magnitude of mercy that he has given to us. John said it so clearly in 1 John 4, 19, that we love him because he first loved us. That's what it comes down to. That's the true motivation. But we've got to remove those false areas of motivation from our life, first of all, and recognize that we live for him, we follow him, we pursue Christ because of what he has already done for us. And the spiritual renewal of any kind has to start with our motivations. Listen, you cannot live for God this year just because you want the lockdowns to end. 
okay? You can't just live for God this year because you want uh, things to change and you want a better year. You must decide in your heart to live for the Lord and commit to living for him out of a clear understanding of his mercy and his grace towards you as an individual. And that's what this passage reveals to us right at the very beginning. He says, I implore you, please listen to how to live the Christian life, but you have to listen based off of the mercies of God, the motivation that uh, is clear and pure, God's love and his mercy for us. To me, it's so interesting that he chose to start out with that. To me, it shows the heart of the Apostle Paul. He, he was more focused on the heart than just the outward actions. So often, that's what we're focused on. We're focused on the outward rather than the motivation behind it. I want you to look again at the verse in Romans 12, verse 1. He says, I beseech you by the mercies of God. But then he continues, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. We are to remove wrong motives before there can be a renewal of proper motives. But secondly, in our passage, we see here today that there needs to be a removal of self-preservation. Self-preservation. Notice there he says, present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now, earlier in the book of Romans, Paul had told those believers that they were to offer themselves as a sacrifice to God so that they could be used for his glory. In Romans chapter 6, verse 13, he said to them, neither yield you your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God. The word that is translated yield is the same word that is translated present here in Romans chapter number 12. He says, yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and then your members as part of your body as instruments of righteousness unto God. And then now, so that was back in Romans chapter 6. Now in Romans 12, what does he do? He encourages them that because of the mercy of God now, they are to present their bodies as this sacrifice. And then he says that it is a reasonable thing to do. Now we're going to break all this down here in just a moment, but in a nutshell, here's what we're being challenged with. We are being challenged with the area of surrender. Here's what it comes down to. We are being challenged to surrender ourselves to God, not just of our time and not just of our money, uh, but it says here of our bodies to God. Now, that may seem like a strange thing. I know when you read it, you're like, okay, what, what, does, he, what does he mean by that? But the reality is this. Think about it. What else do you have to give to God? Do you think that, uh, you know, that if you gave God uh, every bit of money that you have, if you gave him everything that you have, do you think that that would somehow make a difference to Uh, the power of God or the ability of God to make things happen on this earth? Of course not. And so what do we have to give? Well, we have our bodies. Now, the word bodies there is soma, which is translated, if we're to understand it fully, it is the entirety of our being, the entirety of our being. So what God is saying to you, I want you to present the entirety of who you are. So when he says bodies, we're not talking about our physical bodies, although that is a part of it. He's talking about our emotions, our mind, our thoughts, our desires, even our plans. Think about it. Your body is the instrument by which you live life. It is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and it is the instrument by which we can serve God on this earth, and it is the entirety of our being that we are to present. As you see there in the verse, we are to give it to God as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Look there at that last part of the verse, which is your reasonable service. The word present or the word yield that we saw earlier in Romans chapter six means once and for all, means a complete decision to give and to present your life to God 
completely. Now, I understand that when you read this verse, and maybe some of you are new uh, new Christians, you say, okay, what does he mean by a living sacrifice? It kind of seems like an oxymoron because all throughout the scripture, a sacrifice is dead, right? It is killed as a sacrifice. So why does Paul use the term living sacrifice? Well, he does it with a very specific intent. And here's what I want you to get. See, just as Jesus had to take on himself a body in order to accomplish God's will on earth, in the same way, we must yield our bodies to Christ so that he can continue his work through us. I'm going to say that again because I want you to get this. Just as Jesus had to take on himself a body in order to accomplish God's will on earth, so must we yield our bodies to Christ so that he can continue his work through us. And so as we yield our body as instruments of righteousness, as it said in Romans 6, for the Holy Spirit to use, we are doing that so that we can complete and see the will and the work of God be done here on this earth. But that's not going to happen until there is a removal of self-preservation. Now you say, well, what do you mean by self-preservation? Well, here's what I mean. There is built within all of us a desire for self-preservation. Maybe some of you can just write, oh yeah, in the chat, or that's me in the chat. We, you guys understand. In fact, even if you think that you don't live that way, you do. Every single human has within our flesh a, a desire for self-preservation. And guess what? It is triggered in times of crisis, isn't it? 2020 was a year where many, many people changed their focus from even the things they were doing or from others, and they turned it inwardly, and it became about self-preservation. In those times of crisis, what do we do? We push others away. Uh, we uh, go over and over in our, in our minds how we are going to get through this. Now, I'm not putting down today determination or work ethic or responsibility. Understand that. But I do want you to know today that uh, many of us find ourselves at a place where we think it's up to us to succeed. We think that it's up to us to make things happen. It's about me uh, getting better. It's about me in order to be a good Christian and, and what happens in our lives is when we get to that place when it's about us and we are self-motivated uh, and self-preserved and we're going to do this thing on our own, what happens is that it pushes us further and we get further away than, from where we should be, which is, as a Christian, complete and total surrender. Surrender. See, self-preservation is the opposite of surrender. And if surrender is where we need to be, then there needs to be some removal of ourselves. You know, in the New Testament, it talks about, Paul even mentions it, talking about removal of the old man. See, within us, there's still that flesh that we battle against. And whenever there's a crisis and a difficult time, the first thing that we do is that flesh comes up and is like, okay, you need to be the one to take care of this rather than surrendering yourself to God. But think about this. What good, just like I talked about, what good is it to give our, you know, like how, how much of a difference do you think if you gave a certain amount of money that God's going to be impressed and it's going to change everything? In the same way, uh, what good are your fleshly pursuits when it comes to accomplishing the will of God if it's just done from a heart of self-preservation and of selfishness? See, Paul really kind of blew that out of the water in the verse where he says that the sacrifice we are to give to God is to be a sacrifice that is holy, that is acceptable unto God. Did you see that there in the passage? That's why he said you need to present yourself as a living sacrifice uh, removal of self, but it needs to be a holy and an acceptable one unto God. And the only way that is possible is if the surrender to God is complete in its entirety. Now, I'm going to slow down here just a little bit because I really want to make sure that we understand this. 
to surrender ourselves to God, to be that true living sacrifice that can be used for righteousness and can be acceptable unto God. And the term, if you want to do a little Bible study yourself, do a little study on the word acceptable in the New Testament. It's very interesting what you'll discover. But what we need to understand about it more than anything else is that that surrender to God needs to be complete and total, holding nothing back at all. Because if we have any elements of our, of our flesh or of our sinful nature in that presentation to God, it will not be holy and it will not be acceptable to him. And, uh, and, and, and the problem is, is that so often we will say, I surrender to God, but we still withhold part of it from him. And so to him, that's not acceptable. It's not acceptable to God that we would give him our leftovers, is it? We must give God our first. We must give him our all. That's what it truly means. A sacrifice gives its life. A sacrifice gives up everything for the cause. And that's for us. That's what he wants from us is that we would be willing to leave everything aside and give our bodies and say, God, all that I am is yours. Then it can be useful and can be used by God. After all, it is a reasonable thing to do. I love how Paul throws that in there. It is your reasonable uh, service there. You ever gotten frustrated with somebody? Uh, you don't have to put that in the chat, but yeah, we all have been frustrated with somebody, but maybe you're trying to work with somebody on something and, and you've ever said to them, hey, can you just be reasonable for a second? Like, come on, be reasonable with me. And you're trying to maybe work through a situation at work or within a family. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, what you're trying to do is your desire is that that person would cooperate and they would see your point of view, Right. It, 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 uh, it means that what you're saying is that I want things to be suitable and I'm making a right decision here. And so come on, just be reasonable with me. And that's, the, that's what he's talking about here. Paul is saying, or God is saying to us, sacrifice, a total, complete sacrifice to God that is living, that is holy, that is acceptable. It is a reasonable thing. It is a logical thing. It's not something that we should shrink back from uh, or consider too much or something that we should feel is too costly. God is saying, no, the offering of yourself to God as a living sacrifice is the right thing to do. It is the reasonable thing to do in light of what God has done for us. It is not a hazardous duty, but it is the highest calling that we could have, that we would present ourselves and give ourselves to God. It is reasonable. Listen, how foolish is it for us to think as humans that giving ourselves to God is unreasonable? <laughs> that's, a foolish, that's a foolish thing to believe. Now, I recognize that some Christians, and maybe you're going through this, well, what good is what I have? What, what good am I when it comes to God? Listen, God isn't, God isn't there like, oh, if you can offer me this, then be a sacrifice. He just says, blanket statement, all of his followers need to give themselves as a sacrifice and say, God, I am, I'm yours. And then God can make something great out of it. He is uh, the potter. I am the clay. He is the one who can mold us and he can make us after his will. And that's where it starts is that we just need to give it to him and recognize it is a reasonable thing to present ourselves to God. It is a reasonable thing. It's unreasonable for us to think that somehow God could not use us or God could not do something with us. Remember, he already provided salvation for your broken and your sinful heart. I think he can make something new and renew you uh, out of a sacrifice that's been given to him. Listen, you can never give more to God than what he gives to us. Do you realize that? This isn't a game here. This isn't a scale like, oh, well, God gave me salvation, so I'm going to try to equal it out on this side. No, not, there's nothing that we could do. God will always uh, come alongside of us. He will always supply our needs. He will, through his grace, give us what we need to live for him. 
There's a song that we have sung, and, and uh, oftentimes, maybe some of you, I grew up singing this song, but it goes, all to Jesus, I surrender. All to him, I freely give. And why not freely give it to God? After all, he has freely given to us over and over, besides the gospel, besides his son that he has given to us. You know, we talked about the idea of removal uh, right at the beginning of the message. And this summer, uh, my wife and I and uh, her a family that had come up, um, we were able to refinish our cabinets uh, in our kitchen. And uh, uh, man, it was, it was a lot of work. And, and, and what had to happen before we refinished them and painted them, and, and they look great, by the way, we had to sand off a lot of the old finish. And that took a lot of work. We had to remove all the hinges. We had to clean them up. We had to sand everything down multiple times. Then they had to be primed. And then they had, then finally we could get to the coat of paint that we wanted to. And we had to do all of that prep work so that those 40-year-old cabinets could continue on for hopefully the next 40 years uh, as, as well. And all of that labor had to be done, but that removal had to be done. Otherwise, the whole project would have been a bust because within a few days, maybe even a few weeks, the paint would have started peeling and things would have started coming, coming apart. And that's the point that I want us to get, that before there's a renewal, before there's a moving forward, there has to be some removal in our hearts. Now, as we talked about, I know many of you are maybe looking for some renewal in the year to come, but there probably needs to be some removal first. I think it begins with a removal of the wrong motives for serving the Lord. Paul says, I beseech you by the mercies of God. Listen, if you're living for Christ out of anything but a love for him, and for what he's done for you and his mercy in your life, you're going to fail. You're going to struggle. You're going to be frustrated. So I'd encourage you, maybe that's what happened in 2020. There was a, a falling away from God and a falling into yourself and a self-motivation and a self-focus. Listen, would you return to trusting in God? Would you also remove from your life uh, self-preservation? And would you completely and totally Give yourself, your body, everything that you have as a living sacrifice to God and say, God, whatever it is that you want to do, I'm willing to give it to you. We must surrender that to God. You know, I believe that 2021 is going to be the best year of your life. <laughs> you say, what are you talking about? I believe that. I believe that. And I'm going to say that. I believe that 2021 can be, maybe we'll phrase it that way. It can be the best year of your life. And I believe that God is going to do some great things uh, in our church as well. But I also know that the reasonable thing for us to do as a church family and the reasonable thing for you as an individual to do is to start with surrender and presenting yourself as a living sacrifice to God. After all, he did give us everything. So my prayer for you today is that you would move into this new year with a heart full of love for the one who gave it all. <laughs> so that we could receive salvation, so that we could receive hope outside of this world. But before there is that renewal in our spirit, there must be some removal. And I wonder what it is in your life that maybe needs to be removed before that work of renewal, that return to Christ can begin in your life. In a minute, we're gonna take a second and have a time of reflection together, but I wanna ask a few questions just as we are heading into that time. I've already said it multiple times, but is there renewal that needs to take place in your life? Well, it's going to have to happen when there's some removal. And I would encourage you that maybe you would make today the day of surrender. Make day, today the day that you will surrender your year to God. Maybe you've been so uh, caught up in the fears of the year ahead that you haven't even taken a moment and just said, God, I'm going to give this year to you. 
What a great position to be in, a position of surrender as Christians that we would say, God, I am, I am all yours and I'm giving myself to you. Over the next few weeks as we're in this study, we're gonna be talking about renewal, but there has to be that foundation, that clean foundation for that to happen. Thanks for listening to today's sermon. We really appreciate you joining in. You know, if today's sermon was a help to you, we'd ask that you maybe take a moment and just give us a quick rating on iTunes or Spotify or wherever it is that you're listening. That really does help get the word out and for other people to find our content as well as connect into the word of God, which is really the most important thing to us. As well, we encourage you to, if you want any more information about City Baptist in Vancouver, you can check out our website at citybaptist.ca or follow us on social media through Facebook and Instagram. Our prayer is that you would continue to walk and grow with Christ. And we love you and we pray for you and we hope that you have a great rest of your day.